Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, and of course, I am joined by my co-host, Mr. James Johnson, the managing editor over at the Jaguars Wire via USA Today. Jay, it is good to be back with you this week. Coming off a really, really fun episode with our friends Eric and Aaron. Big shout out to them for joining us last week. If you hadn't had an opportunity, make sure you go check out that episode. It was a whole lot of fun. But Jay, this episode is going to be a little bit more uh, controlled and concise, I would say, because uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about, but there's a whole lot of important stuff to talk about. Right. Yeah, man. That was a great episode last week, and I appreciate Aaron and Eric coming on. And uh, yeah, in terms of how I'm doing, man, this it's been, and I think Jags fans and Jags writers can attest to this, it's been an exhausting one. And I kind of put this on Twitter, man, like we've been watching stuff on the local political end, which we'll talk about. We've been watching Urban Meyer. Uh, we've been watching these other head coaching uh, candidates and where they're going and where they're interviewing. So, I mean, as I said on Twitter, man, give your favorite Jaguars writer or whatever the case may be, even, even the ones that aren't your favorite, give them a pat on the back, shout them out, whatever the case may be on Twitter. Uh, because they've been working hard and uh, showing some versatility this week. So, yeah, I can't wait to get going with this episode. Yeah, and I think all of that is exemplified pretty well by Demetrius Harvey, who, of course, a friend of ours over at Big Cat Country. Jay, I don't know if you saw his tweet. I think it came out last night where it was like, uh, go ahead and make sure you don't you know, announce any news tonight as far as the coaching news, because I'm going to bed. And just to kind of give you guys an idea uh, that journalists like Jay and everybody, they're waiting to hear the news so they can break it first and let you guys know as soon as something comes through. So that gives you kind of an idea of what's going on. Jay, I had a very similar experience when I was trying to stay up waiting for a PS5. I don't know if it's the same the same level of stress, but I, I feel like we're kind of on the same wavelength. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I can relate. And yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same, if you will, as, uh, you know, staying up late for a PS5. But yeah, I can relate. I can remember one time uh, this was, I think, 2017. Um, I was staying up for a free agency news. Don't ask me why up so late past midnight. And a uh, little news on Allen Robinson broke that he was going to the Chicago Bears. So here I am writing the Allen Robinson to the Chicago Bears article at like 2, 2.30, somewhere like that, maybe one thirty ish um, but yeah, man, like those were some uh, rough times in terms of getting sleep and whatnot. But yeah, yeah, I, I feel Demetrius on that, man. Like it was like, look, just let us turn it in as Jaguars writers um, and just churn up the news in the morning. Uh, just, just take a break from the computer, whatever the case may be. Your Mike Florios of the world, your national analysts of the world, uh, Ian Rappaport, Garofolo, um, and all of those guys. But um, yeah, man, like. That's, that's just how it's going to be for us for the next few days, you know, at least for the writer's perspective um, that do it full time. As you know, we, we await this key clutch decision 
uh, that the fans, you know, are anticipating just as much. Well, just like Jay mentioned, make sure you thank your favorite or even non-favorite Jaguar reporter because these are very tense times as we wait for that news to be announced. We're going to get into the episode here in just a moment. I want to remind you guys, if you're enjoying the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts and drop that five-star review. Thank you so much to all of you that have done that. We read all of the comments, and it means a whole lot that you guys are responding so well to the show. Along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And last but not least, before we get started, I have to give a shout out to this week's sponsor, which is once again, betonline.ag. The NBA and college basketball are back, you guys. The NFL playoffs, of course, are also right around the corner. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat as NBA champions or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go over to betonline.ag. Jay, I know I'm definitely going to be taking a look at those NBA championship lines. I don't know. Of course, you guys probably heard the crazy news today. James Harden dealt to the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know what that's going to do to their chemistry, but I don't think it's going to work out very well. But I'm excited to see how it affects the lines over in Vegas. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's also the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Jay, let's head to the primary story, of course, which we have been discussing all week and just waiting for. And that is news regarding who is going to be the next general manager and head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, all eyes have been on Urban Meyer. It appears that the Jaguars are pretty much done with their head coaching search. Uh, they have interviewed several several candidates that we discussed last week. And at this point, that's kind of just a waiting game. They seem to be just waiting on Urban Meyer's decision. A report from Ian Rappaport stated that uh, they're just kind of uh, wanting to see what he decides. There is also interest from the Los Angeles Chargers in Urban Meyer as well. And Jay, I know you and I have a whole lot of thoughts about this. And, you know, the fan base seems to be, honestly, they're they're pretty pro-Urban Meyer. If you had to take a poll, I think it would probably be mostly on the Urban Meyer side of things in terms of waiting this thing out. But, you know, how do you feel? Because, you know, like I said, you and I have very strong opinions on this in terms of why this decision is taking so long from Urban's standpoint. Yeah, well, first I'll say, like, for me, I think my timeline's kind of been, like, 50-50-ish in terms of wanting Urban or waiting for him or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that being said, you know, my my whole thing about it is if what the insiders are saying, like Ian Rappaport and Garofolo, if what they're saying is true, the Jags have been talking to Urban Meyer since, what, a month or so? You know, so dating back to last month, last year at that, because it's January. Um, and, and look, you know, at the same time, you do want to be understanding if there is a health issue, as you know, he he, he has um, talked about in the past and uh, people around him have talked about it in the past. And then again, you have people who don't believe there is a health issue. But um, a lot of the insiders close to him and a lot of the people that know him personally have been on record for saying that, yeah, there is a health issue. Now, if it's a health issue, uh, you know, you want to be respectful of that if you're Shaq Khan and if you're the fans and if you're a journalist. 
Uh, but again, look, that's probably why uh, if you're shy, you got a head start on this. You went to him last month or whatever the case may be. The, the reporters at least say that there has been some form of contact, uh, albeit Shad Khan denied that when he fired uh, Doug Rome. But at the same time, it's just too many deport, uh, reports disputing that that is not the truth. And, you know, in the last podcast, I call that BS. Uh, but yeah, so even if there is a health issue, it feels like there has been ample time given the Urban Meyer uh, to make a decision. However, I guess the good thing about it, and, I, you know, I didn't really look at it this way until I, you know, stepped back and just assessed everything. But, you know, maybe it's a possibility that everybody is waiting on the Jags to make their move and then all of the dominoes will fall accordingly. You know, then all of the other jobs will start to fill out, so on and so forth. So if the league is waiting on the Jacksonville Jaguars to make a move with Urban Meyer or uh, maybe take Robert Sala or, you know, one of the other guys they they interviewed uh, because basically those those coaching candidates are saying, hey, you know, I want to wait to see what Jack, uh, Jacksonville says, if they want me or not, because uh, believe it or not, Jacksonville is probably the most intriguing situation or the most, um, I guess, the, the situation with the, the best assets, if you will, in terms of all of these openings. So, you know, if you got a guy like Sala or somebody saying like, you know, I've interviewed with other teams, but I've told them to like, hey, wait, uh, let me see what Jacksonville says. And they're waiting on, you know, Jacksonville to be that first domino to fall. Uh, then I guess we can afford to be patient. Uh, but at the same time, if that's not the case, then it's like, you know, what are you waiting on? Like, we got to get a move on. Uh, me personally, um, I'm not a fan of getting Urban Meyer anyway. And I think the other candidates will be fine. Like, you know, like I said, solid. And I think the enemy would be fine if he's bringing Mike Kafka with him as well. Uh, we'll have to see. Maybe Mike Kafka ends up in Philadelphia. We all heard the rumors about that or their interest in him. Uh, but, you know, those two guys that the Jags have already interviewed that I would like, you know what I'm saying, if uh, they don't no longer want to pay, uh, play the waiting game. Let me ask you this, Jay, and, and maybe it's uh, I'm thinking too much into it because it's just kind of part of the landscape when it comes to the NFL. But if I'm a guy specifically like an Eric Bieniemy, who is the name out there in terms of coordinators, of course, tied to the Kansas City Chiefs and their dominance as of late. If I'm a guy like Eric Bieniemy and I, I see the Jaguars job and I am clearly plan B or option, you know, one B or option two even, is does that sway my interest whatsoever? Or am, I, am I looking into that? Or do you think that's going to push some of these guys away? That's a good question. Um, well, but when speaking with about Eric B. Enemy in particular, uh, one thing that is starting to come up and, you know, we aren't behind closed doors and we don't know what goes on in these conversations. But a lot of pe people keep mentioning that he's not interviewing well. He's not interviewing well. And look, you know, my, my comeback to that has always been, well, I don't know if. Nick Saban or Bill Belichick feel like they would got they would be guys that would exactly interview well, but they could coach their behinds off at the end of the day. Uh, but if teams are putting a lot into the interview process and can't get past that part of it and how he's interviewed, um, that would explain his situations where you know we're going on two years where it feels like he may end up with the Chiefs again. Um, so. From that perspective, uh, you know, I just wanted to touch on that with the enemy. In terms of, yeah, like you were saying, like if you are uh, 
you know, you interviewed for the Jaguars, you talked to Shot Khan, and you, I guess what you were trying to say is like, you feel like there's kind of a fallback option. How would you feel about it? Uh, you know, that, that very well depends on the person. And, um, I, you know, I really can't answer that. But that being said, uh, with the situation and the Jag- that the Jaguars have in terms of the draft capital, getting Trevor Lawrence and so on and so forth, if I'm the fallback option for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, I wouldn't exactly be upset about that because I'm inheriting a pretty good situation and I'm getting my hands uh, in this situation with Trevor Lawrence. And as I've said in the past, I believe if you take this job, you're looking at it not just the short-term future, but you're looking at this as long haul. You're looking at this as a situation where you're going to get Trevor Lawrence and build a dynasty and you're going to become the next New England Patriots because, because of the assets you have with it. And again, you know, albeit everybody would love to be the top dog on the candidate list. But if you're the number two and you still end up getting this job, it's a very, very good job to have. And you can make the best of that opportunity and prove to Shad Khan that, hey, I should have been your number one guy and there never should have been any waiting on Urban Meyer uh, by building that dynasty and flourishing with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I, I agree. And I think if you are find yourself in this position, and you're being interviewed by these teams, then I assume that you have been you have wanted to be an NFL coach for a long time. And however that happens, you know, you still ended up on the team's radar, which I, th- I think definitely speaks volume. You know, I, I, that's a good point. It, it probably does depend on the person. It, it wholeheartedly does, actually, when I think about it. Uh, Robert Sally is a guy that I'm definitely very interested in. Jay, I mentioned he looks like a daredevil villain, um, but I'm definitely on board. I, I, I would like them to target more of a offensive minded head coach, which is why I think you and I were both just kind of baffled. They didn't interview uh, uh, Brian Dabble over there uh, from, from Buffalo. So we'll kind of see how things go there. Now, some interesting news of course broke this past week from the Philadelphia Eagles and Doug Peterson was of course relieved of his duties and that whole situation with Philly, you know, I honestly, it just seems fishy, right? You and I talked about this in our group chat where it just seemed like maybe Doug was given some specific orders and knew this was going to be the result. If you are Shad Khan, even though it doesn't appear that this is going to be the route that they go, would you at least kick the tires on Doug Peterson? Because I think I would certainly maybe just look into it. Yeah, in terms of, I'll start on what you said about Salah. Yeah, he does kind of like have this daredevil villain vibe about him in the sense that like I can see this guy like, sitting up in a uh, a big time suite or whatever a, a skyscraper or a high rise type of building with a with a pinstripe suit on kind of looks like king yeah ben. man like he just <laughs> he, he feels like a boss to me man <laughs> like in terms of the, the, the his look and, and whatever but um yeah i mean Salah, you know he's a guy that has ties to jacksonville was on gus bradley's staff as a uh, one of the assistants here um, and, you know, it, it feels like he left on good terms and he wants to return and that's good for him. I mean, look, Salah deserves a job, man. What he's done, people forget, like, the San Francisco 49ers are, like, ranked at least eighth or higher in every major defensive category, man. And, and while, you know, you would want an offensive mind, of course, and a lot of this depends on who Salah is saying is going to be his offensive coordinator would really help him with the Jacksonville situation. We don't know who that is. It might be somebody from 49ers tree or whatever the case may be. Uh, but yeah, man, I, you know, Salah would be, he, he's actually on uh, near the top of my list. You know, when you look at the guys that they've interviewed and then, as you said, Dabble is probably the number one 
and uh, they haven't interviewed him yet. Or then again, maybe they have, and we just don't know about it. Um, but yeah, in terms of Peterson, because um, I'm straying away from the point here, uh, Doug Peterson, yeah, man, I like Doug Peterson personally. Um, I think just from how I read it and recollect it and gather it, I think Doug Peterson and the situation with the Eagles went downhill because of maybe the connection with, uh, I guess you could say, with the the general manager who is Howie Roseman. And I'm not saying that they have a bad relationship, but more so what I'm saying is like Howie Roseman uh, is a guy that hasn't really helped Doug Peterson all that much in terms of like like how I re- recollected and look at the draft picks and the um, the free agents and, and so on and so forth. And we would know firsthand that, you know, when you miss on draft picks, um, hint, hint, the Gene Smith era. And when you miss on uh, free agents, also the Gene Smith era more so than the Dave Caldwell era, uh, that doesn't help a coach. That didn't help Jack Del Rio uh, and that didn't help anybody else. I, I think he, uh, Mike Malarkey was with him as well. So, uh, yeah, I think like he is a free agent more so because of the things that were out of his control. And, you know, if you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, man, I mean, I know a lot of people were like, uh, you know, hell no to him when when the question ar- um, arose from, I think it was Mike Kay or Demetrius or somebody as to, you know, if Doug Peterson should be a guy that the Jazz give a call. But I'm definitely game for it because you look at his body of work with quarterbacks. Yeah, people instantly go to Carson Wentz, but it was a point in time where Carson Wentz was playing at an MVP level. People forget that. He got Nick Foles to be able to finish off the season and uh, go to the Super Bowl and put up astronomical numbers and become the Super Bowl MVP. So, you know, he has shown the ability to coach quarterbacks. And that's the type of guy that you want with your quarterback if you're, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars and you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, I guess one big question you have to ask yourself is how much of that success with quarterbacks is tied to Frank Reich who I'm a big fan of. People have heard me say that in the past on this podcast. But still, nonetheless, with Doug Peterson coming from that Kansas City Chiefs tree, you know, I think if you're intrigued by Eric Bieniemy, who's also from that tree, you got to be intrigued by um, him as well. And I'm talking about Doug Peterson here. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if next year Doug Peterson is coaching on an NFL team. And he may have a gap year. He may go somewhere else and, and do something. Um, outside of uh, outside of football, like uh, broadcasting or something along those lines. But uh, that guy's going to be back in the league very soon. I, and I think as a head coach and not just as a coordinator or a, uh, you know, a position coach or anything like that. I think he's definitely going to be back in the league sooner rather than later. Yeah. And not only that, speaking of the enemy and people from that Chiefs tree and that Andy Reid tree or that Eagles tree, uh, if you go a step further back. Uh, you know, if you're Eric Bieniemy too, and if it is true about you having issues with the interview process, uh, which again we don't know if it's true or not, um, but me and you have certainly uh, batted for Eric Bieniemy and said he deserves a job. Uh, but if you are Eric Bieniemy uh, now, you have if you have any interviews from this point on, you have this. I guess you could say you 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 kind of have this feather in your cap where you could say, hey. Uh, you know, you reach out to Doug Peterson, see if Doug Peterson wants to be on your staff and you uh, rekindle that friendship or that relationship you probably had when you were with the Chiefs and with the Eagles or however you knew each other from the Andy Reid tree. You reach out to him if you be in me and say, hey, you want to be an offensive coordinator? You want to be a quarterback's coach? Because, look, you're probably not going to have that job but for a year because, as you said, Phil, he's going to be uh, back 
on the list for uh, to be a head coach sooner rather than later. And when you go into interviews and you're Eric enemy, this is a feather in your cap that you help and you use to kind of sway the GM or whatever the case may be, or sway the owner. Hey, you know, it's a prime example with the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he gets another interview with the Jacksonville Jaguars, hey, um, I know you probably want to draft Trevor Lawrence with the first overall pick and probably aren't going to get a quarterback to start out of free agency. I'm going to bring Doug Peterson with me, a Super Bowl winning coach, a coach that's proven himself with quarterbacks. He'll be my quarterback coach or my offensive coordinator or something along those lines. I'm bringing Mike Kafka with me to one of the brighter offensive minds in football. And then, you know, if you're struggling in the interview, that's enticing, especially for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a feather in your cap that you can use uh, to, to help you, if you will, albeit, you know, Doug Peterson, if he does land on the staff as a coordinator or assistant, uh, you you have to have the mindset that he won't be there but for a year. Yeah, I definitely think you're in for a short-term lease in terms of Doug Peterson. Now, wherever he goes, you should probably rent and not buy uh, if he doesn't end up being a head coach again. But I want to circle back to the Urban Meyer of this all because I didn't get a chance to really voice my opinion. And a lot of it is echoing what you have already said, Jay, in terms of this. So so now we find ourselves in this position, right? You know, we, we seem to have interviewed all of the candidates that we are interested in. And... Granted, not all of these uh, all of these candidates are going to get jobs for uh, for head coaching jobs right away or even at all. So I'm sure they will be available. But now we're at a point where Urban Meyer is essentially holding the franchise hostage, and that may be putting it a little bit uh, too extreme. But that's essentially what is happening here because they're so dead set on the Urban Meyer of this all and who the GM is going to be. We're not 100 percent sure. There are rumors floating out there, floating out there about Trent Baalke, which I think would be just an absolute disaster. Just a, a cherry on top of this crap Sunday. And now, does this not tell you all you need to know about his commitment? Because we already know what happened. It's well documented what happened in Florida and Ohio State. And now he is in, entering this new phase where he's wondering you know, whether or not he's going to be able to do this. Well, I mean, we're coming up on a week now as far as his official interview. And Jay, like you said, they've probably been speaking for months now. So at this point, the Jaguars have the number one overall pick, a ton of draft capital, and a bunch of young pieces in place. As you mentioned, this is the most coveted job, most likely, amongst inner circles in terms of coaching and GMs. What the hell else do you What else? What are you waiting for? Just tell us yes or no. And I don't like it, and I'm past the point where I'm willing to wait anymore and I'm ready to just move on, but it doesn't appear that the Jaguars are. Yeah. I mean, you have to, if you're shot con and it's taking this long to get an answer, you have to question if his heart is going to be uh, fully in it. And look, now I'll say this now, if Urban Meyer takes a job, he's going to do it to the fullest. And I think what shot con is caught up, caught up in, and you're looking at it from a perspective of the owner, he's caught up in the fact that in my opinion, uh, that Urban Meyer is a program builder. He doesn't see him as just a coach. He sees uh, him as a Bill Belichick-like figure. And what I mean by that, because, you know, it's been well documented that the Jacksonville Jaguars highly respect the Patriots organization and how things ran there. He sees him as a guy that will come in, uh, that will build a program. Um, you know, it'll be everything to the T from uh, nutrition, uh, to just all of these things. I mean, like kind of in a Tom Coughlin way, but not. I don't think Urban Meyer is a guy 
that butts heads necessarily with the players like Tom Coughlin. He, he's a little bit better at uh, player relations than that because you, you don't really hear about Urban Meyer having issues with players or players having issues with Urban Meyer or saying, hey, yeah, when I was with Urban Meyer, I didn't like that guy. He rubbed me the wrong way. You, you don't hear anything like that. So I think that's what Shad Khan uh, might be caught up in. And, you know, like Albert Breer actually talked about this on his podcast. The Jacksonville Jaguars are an organization that needs everything stripped down to the T and it to be rebuilt up uh, organizationally and structurally, uh, kind of like the Bills had that approach. And Shad Khan may feel like Urban Meyer uh, could definitely do that. So I think that's what he's probably caught up in. Um, I'm with you, though. You know, like, you can only wait so long. And, like, just the fact that he's taking so long would make me have skepticism, uh, you know, as to if, you know, he might quit and not necessarily during the season, but, you know, uh, opt out in a year or whatever the case may be. But, you know, at the same time, you know, as I said, Urban Meyer is a guy that you have to feel like if he takes the job, he's going to commit to it at least uh, as, as hard as he can for three years or whatever the case may be. Uh, but time will tell. Right. And I don't doubt that while he is here. And again, I don't think this entire time we have down talk his his uh, coaching acumen. We know he is a top notch coach. He is good at what he does. And maybe he will be extremely successful. And just this whole process, you know, when you started hearing his his name, it just brings up bad memories for me. And you know what? I know there's a lot of fans out there that are that don't care about what happened in, in someone's past. They don't care about anybody's mishaps or misfortunes. They don't want wins. Well, you know what, guys? I don't I that's just not how I am. You can be totally different. That is perfectly fine. We can have a difference of opinion in this. Okay. Uh, it, it's okay. But I it just it, I don't like it. And I'm hoping that he gives us an answer soon. And if he doesn't, then I hope Shad Khan has the gall to just move on and, and state, state that, you know, we're not going to wait around anymore because, as we've mentioned before, this is going to be the most important uh, transition in franchise history. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, one thing I do want to say is what I hope is that Shad Khan took his other interviews and took everybody else's time that interviews seriously uh, in a sense that he might have to use one of them as an option if I don't even want to say use as a term. That, that's kind of a harsh term, but he might have to uh, go to one of those guys uh, as an option if Urban Meyer does say no. You know, what if Urban Meyer just says, like, look, man, uh, you know, I put the time and effort into putting the staff together, but after thinking about it, you know, I don't know if my health will hold up or, you know, maybe he'll say something along the lines, like, I'm worried about my legacy. I'm putting my legacy on the line because, like, he does have, like, an 85% win percentage on the college level, uh, you know, like this in terms of when you reflect back on Urban Meyer, if he doesn't fail or if he fails on the NFL level, that'll be held against him, whatever the case may be. Uh, but what I hope is that Shad Khan has taken these interviews serious with Salah and he wasn't just going through the motions with him and, uh, you know, these uh, Raheem Morris and uh, Eric B. Enemy and these other people of the world. Uh, but we'll see and uh, time will tell because um, we're coming up on a time where a decision needs to be made, uh, even if you are somebody that has the resume that Urban Meyer does. Well, let me tell you, let me say this, Jay, to kind of counter you on that, because Nick Saban, of course, had uh, very little success in the NFL. And now we don't think about that at all. Really, at least I know I don't. 
you know, we look at him now, of course, he is the most successful college football coach in college football history. I don't really think whatsoever about his NFL tenure. Now, of course, Urban Meyer doesn't have seven national championships, but he still has had a lot of success from, I mean, freaking Bowling Green all the way up into Ohio State. So, I, I mean, for me personally, I'm not, I wonder, if, you know, if that is if that is a reason. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, the reason I say that with him, it's a little bit different with Urban Meyer because when Urban Meyer takes this job or if he takes this job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, it could be his last. In other words, this could be the one where he rides off into the sunset with this is all left that he hasn't done. I mean, yeah, you can go back to college and try and chase what Nick Saban is doing. But to me, that, that'll be astronaut because Nick Saban is what looking at what five, six championships or something like that. I wouldn't even, especially with, with the health that he has, I wouldn't even try and attempt that if I'm, I'm Urban Meyer. Uh, so for me, like, you know, I'm thinking he may be thinking like the NFL, this is the, that's all that's left on the resume for me. And if I go out looking bad, then, you know, that's going to tarnish my, uh, my legacy. Uh, but if I go out and I'll get some championships or I'm successful or whatever the case may be, I could close my career uh, and, and be happy about the ending or whatever that may be, uh, just long as it's successful. Well, of course, guys, as soon as we hear something, we will let you know as of right now, the time of recording here on January 13th, which is Wednesday. Uh, there has been no news. Now, of course, Jay, the way that this goes is we record this episode and tomorrow the head coach will be announced. So hopefully that's not going to be the case. And this episode will still be relevant uh, when it comes out this Friday. But let's move into some other news here uh, locally, Jay. This is something, of course, we have talked about a lot. And we won't spend too much time here because you and I have gone into extensive detail about how a lot, Jay, just is not, uh, it does not benefit the taxpayer specifically here in Jacksonville. Now, the Jacksonville City Council did held, uh, hold their vote for Shad Khan's Lot J project this past Tuesday, and the bill fell one vote short of what it was needed. It was a 12 to 7 result, of course, needing 13 results to pass. Uh, now, after this, Mark Lamping immediately mentioned that they will be moving on to the Shipyards project, which is also taking place near the stadium. And at this point, it does seem that Lot J, at least for the time being, could be dead in the water. Uh, Jay, this is something, of course, as I mentioned, we've been following very, very closely. And I think a lot of it came down to that bread box loan, man. So that that loan that we kind of got into detail about, did we 100% understand it? No. What we did know is that it was bad for the taxpayer. And I think that really played heavily into what was going on here. It also seemed like some of the reports coming out of it is that if Shad Khan and his group were a little bit more lenient or open with what was going on, maybe this passes and it did not. So Jay, what do you have in terms of the latest, uh, you know, the latest reports and of course the vote that went down the other day? Yeah. First and foremost, yeah. When you're one vote short, you know, you have to feel like, you know. Angie's list is now Angie and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot It was one little small thing you could do here better, or one little small thing you could do there better. And you know, you have to wonder if the transparency 
would have probably, I mean, in my opinion, yeah, the transparency probably uh, would have gotten them the one vote that they needed. Um, so, you know, it went down the wire to the wire and that's telling, you know what I'm saying? That's telling like shot Khan shouldn't overlook that part of it. A lot of people wanted to make this happen in the city council. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of this deal, man, I just think many people have chimed in on it. And I think what it came down to uh, for me personally, like you said, that word transparency and mistrust. And I think what hurt this deal, the X factor that hurt this deal was Lenny Curry. And I, I guess I should try and be brief about it um, because I can go on for days with this. Um, but in terms of the mayor, Lenny Curry, I think when you look at it, Basically, the mistrust on the city council side and the beef with him came from uh, a, a few red flags that have occurred before this event. I mean, you go back into, you know, I guess it was last fall, last winter sometime. You know, we all just wake up, basically, and we look at our Twitter feeds, we look at whatever the case may be. And here we have uh, Shad Khan and just out of the blue, you know, we've been through this pandemic like Black Jay's not even on our mind. We forgot about it, really, you know, at this point. And, uh, you know, we wake up and here is Shad Khan and, and Lenny Curry uh, at the uh, amphitheater at at, uh, at the flex field, the practice field, um, the, the indoor practice field, announcing that, hey, we, me and Shad Khan came to a deal on Lot J, you know, just out of the blue. And if you're the city council, you're like, you know, I mean, just from how I gather it, you're looking at this from the outside in. Or, you know what I'm saying, they they may have been there for, you know, the ceremony or whatever or the announcement. But you're looking at this from the outside in and you're looking at it like, hey, like you guys met and came up with like uh, the perimeters of this deal and didn't inform us or didn't include us. That was red flag number one right there when we woke up out of the blue and like Jay was just a thing again all of a sudden. And I, I fear I'm, I'm sure the city council felt some type of way about that. And then another red flag was, you know, people will say what they want in terms of uh, Shad Khan not being there. He's a busy man, so on and so forth. But yesterday in yesterday's meeting, which was on Tuesday, when they had the vote for this, a lot of people made a good point. And I, I agree with this. Shad Khan should have been there. When you are spending $233 million of the taxpayers' money, uh, you need to be there and at least show your face. I mean, uh, and maybe this is me because I'm an old school guy. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't look I don't look all that old and, and people say I look young, but I have old school principles and me personally. And I don't know, maybe you can agree with me on this field or maybe I'm just being crazy about it. When I you know what I'm saying, if I'm going to go to somebody, hypothetically, James Johnson, I come to you, Phil, and ask you for a loan of two hundred and fifty dollars. I feel like just the principal side of it. Is the least I could do is show up, look at you face to face, man to man, eye to eye, shake your hand, tell you thank you, I appreciate it, I'm going to give this back to you, so on and so forth. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, just just let me know if I'm wrong on that. Just like out of principle, that feels like the right thing to do, right? I would probably say, Jay, to that, uh, name the place, show your face. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, hey, look, we live, in, we, we live in a modern era where you can cash app it to me or whatever the case may be. Uh, but what I'm saying is a, a lot of money of that magnitude. The, you know what I'm saying? Just the, the man in me and the principal side of me 
would just want to meet you face to face and say, I appreciate that, Phil. Thank you. I got you on this. I'm going to give it back, whatever the case may be. Uh, you might tell me you don't owe it to me. I owe it to you, whatever the case may be. But the principle is meet that person face to face and, and you know, just, you know, have that interaction with them, if you will. So, you know, Shad Khan, in my opinion, he should have been there. When Shad Khan asked for the money for this stadium, uh, the stadium renovations, which is going to be even more, 400 to 600 million dollars, he needs to be there and show his face and, and you know, have that interaction with people. And, and just if it means that much to you, you need to be there in person. That was another red flag. And look, you can say, well, he did have uh, I think it was Ben Becker that reported this from Action News Sports or uh, Action News Jacks that he did meet with these people sometime this year. If, you know, I, I read it correctly on his yacht or he, you know, he hosted them or whatever the case may be. But look at it on a timeline perspective. Yeah, he met with the city council, maybe individually, maybe as a group. Yeah, he met with them, but he met with them after him and Lenny Curry came with the perimeters of this deal back last year, you know, and did that process of it behind their back without including them. Now you want to meet with them. You know, like it's funny how things work. So that was another red flag. So you can see where the mistrust came with all of this. And, and, you know, look, I I don't want to get into the political side of this, you know, whether you're on the left, the right, the middle, whatever the case may be. But in terms of Lenny Curry, uh, you know, if if you're a a taxpayer of Jacksonville, like yourself, Phil, you know, it's kind of hard to trust a guy. You know, we we just saw an incident three weeks ago uh, where he he speaks on somebody's wife, a councilman's wife on on Twitter. Uh, a few weeks ago in, in the most unprofessional manner, you know, like nobody wants to see their mayor indulging in that kind of unprofessionalism. And I, I especially don't have a tolerance for it as somebody who goes about things in a professional way the best I can. At least, you know, sometimes people might irk me and you never know. I might I might wake up and I'm Jay-Z or somebody, you know, <laughs> but for the most part, I've gone about uh, things in a professional manner. And that just irked me. And that wasn't a good look for the city of Jacksonville. So what that has to do with what uh, the, the Lot J situation you asked, well, what I'm saying is uh, when you see a mayor act in that professional manner, right, and you see him go about business in that type of professional manner on Twitter, uh, you know, being petty or whatever the case may be. Um, and the councilman, I think, clapped back at him. Two wrongs don't make a right, whatever the case may be. But when you see that, you know, you have to wonder, is that somebody I would trust with my two hundred and thirty three million dollars that he's trying to cram into one small parking space and not disperse uh, within the city in terms of making other projects around downtown? Uh, that was another issue with it, just trying to cram it into one space, too. Uh, so, you know, like if you you ask yourself that as a taxpayer, you like, no, I don't know if I could trust this guy who didn't uh, specify certain details that the city council asked for key details at that that the city council asked for that were left out. And, uh, you know, like from that perspective, you know, you can see why there would be uh, skepticism and that friction between him and the city council. Yeah, Jay, I mean, you pretty much covered it all right there. Why would the council entrust anything that, uh, of course, that the mayor is backing, that Shad Khan is backing, Tony Khan, when, as we have mentioned before, you know, they try to spin it as if, the cons have invested all of this time and money into Jacksonville and the city of Jacksonville when, you know what, the the receipts speak for themselves, okay? Like you said, Jay, they'll turn around and throw a few, mil- few million dollars 
at Mosh or something like that, right? And then meanwhile, the stadium is rotting from the inside out, you know, where they try to get, uh, as we've mentioned before, a Chili's to go built on La J, you know, all this stuff just to, you know, just to fatten their pockets. And um, yeah, like you said, as far as Lenny Curry goes, you know, we're not going to get too far into it, but just something, you know, just we, we're coming off of a week, right? Where a, uh, where a uh, a very uh, loudmouth politician was thrown off of Twitter, right? And then you have our mayor here in Jacksonville uh, telling somebody to put your hair up and square up, essentially, <laughs> here so he can meet him somewhere and and throw hands. And you know what? Honestly, if that's not the picture perfect um, yeah, image of what has been going on here in Jacksonville over the last few years, I don't know what else is. Yeah, man. I mean, like you know, again, like. Going back to what I was saying, man, like, you know, somebody might come at me and you on Twitter and, you know, uh, we, we might have a similar. <laughs> Hopefully, you know, we, we can remain professional at whatever the case may be. But if you're the mayor of a city, you can't do that. And, you know, not only that, you know, you represent the city, you represent the county, you represent the state and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, like for to go back to the whole thing about trust. Uh, if you're the city council and you ask for key parts of information and they withhold it from you, you know, the, the fans can't, I don't see how the fans can blame them for that. Uh, look at it no further than, you know, as uh, if you, you're going to buy a car, right? A used car, you want a Carfax on that car. You know what I'm saying? You want to know what you're buying is worth uh, the money that you're going to put into it. Or, you know, it's some situations like, you know, prime example, when you go to Home Depot, fellas, um, me and Phil don't really deal with Home Depot like that. Well, I got a yard, so I'm there occasionally. You buy a lawnmower. You don't just uh, buy the, lawn, uh, the the first lawnmower you see. You don't just buy the first chainsaw you see. Uh, you know, the deal, and look, no deal is going to be perfect for a city. You know, chances are you're going to get screwed in a deal if you're the taxpayers, but you just don't want to get royally screwed. And, you know, Going back to the reference with the lawnmower or the chainsaw, you don't just buy the first one you see. You buy the one that's uh, the most suitable for you or the one that might be a little bit more, uh, not even necessarily the most suitable for you, but maybe may more affordable or a brand that you like a little bit better. Uh, so, you know, like that aspect of it to me, uh, it's like it was it was like it felt like the mayor's side and the Shah Khan side was trying to get. Uh, or force the city and the taxpayers and the council to to take a deal that just didn't feel right. And they didn't provide all of the details with or, or at least all of the key details. I know you won't give them everything they need. You can't give them every aspect of the deal, but key details that needed to be discussed or needed to be told or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, if you're a councilman and the taxpayer dollars are at stake and you don't know uh, the key perimeters of a certain deal, uh, you know, you took an oath to protect the taxpayers' dollars, and you can't just jump on that. Um, so I, I think that's where it went sour. And you know, I, you know, I'm getting into a rant here, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but you know, I, I just kind of understand, you know, why you can't just jump on such a deal that feels like it could be better and wasn't the most, uh, I guess, uh, the most time and effort felt like it wasn't put into it on one side as opposed to the other. Well, Jay, to kind of wrap it up, at least on this topic, as you mentioned, you know, when you go to buy whatever that product is and, you know, you know, you don't really like that brand. Well, I don't like the brand that is the, the, the cons as well as Lenny Curry because I don't trust it. 
And I don't believe they have my best interests at heart. So I think that really kind of sums it up perfectly in terms of all of this stuff when it comes to Lot J. Now, of course, like you said, they're going to move on to whatever the shipyards project is, and we'll see what what that is. But Jay, you had one more thing to add on? Of course, yeah. One last thing, you know, and I'll be brief with this, you know. Um, this isn't to say that me and you, I mean, you you can speak on this. You're a taxpayer of uh, Jacksonville. This isn't to say we don't want Jacksonville to grow. Like, you know, you have this love-hate relationship with Jacksonville because it isn't growing. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you you want downtown to flourish. You want downtown to flourish for your daughter. You want downtown to flourish for her kids and so on and so forth. We all do. It's just like at what cost, I mean, and again, you know, taxpayers are, chances are when you're dealing with politicians, taxpayers are going to uh, get screwed somehow. But, you know, you just can't take any and every deal because, hey, you're Jacksonville and you're you're so desperate uh, to, to start building something downtown that can really, really hurt uh, the pockets of people, especially in this time and era, as we said, like we're, we're dealing with a pandemic and hardships. Exactly. As Jay said, I, I absolutely want Jacksonville to grow and prosper. And I think a big part of that is going to be, of course, the Jaguars. They're about to bring in and usher in this brand new era with hopefully a franchise quarterback that ideally, I think, if everything works out, you want him to be here 15, maybe even 20 years, um, all things considered. And, um, you know, of course, the uh, what happens with Lot J or any kind of projects around the area is going to have a lot to do with that. So uh, like Jay said, this has nothing to do with not wanting to see Jacksonville grow. Um, it's just this is just for I'm not willing to see Jacksonville uh, just kind of sell out so that the cons can put more money in their pocket. That's not I, I, like you said, you're really just kind of which which Piper are you paying? And I'm not willing to pay Shad Khan all this money, at least right now, until we get a little bit more transparency. But like I said, uh, guys, you know, we can uh, we can and we have done full episodes on Lot J because um, because of the lack of transparency that we're talking about. So we're going to get we're going to um, get off of that topic and kind of just go into something light here uh, that we put, put up on our Twitter here just this past week over on Believe in Jack's pod, which is where you can tweet us. And Jay, uh, the reason that this poll went up was because I saw uh, some people discussing it over on ESPN. I think it was on Get Up. I believe it was Ryan Clark and um, Mike Greenberg, as well as I believe Dominique Foxworth. They were all talking about it. And all these Deshaun Watson trade rumors are coming out, right? He's very unhappy with the team, with the franchise, which honestly I would be too. And if you, you we actually talked to this with, uh, with James from Texans Unfiltered before the season started. We asked him if there were any uh, worries or anything like that, that maybe Deshaun Watson would eventually want his um, want out of Houston. And he said no. And I'm wondering how he feels now. We'll have to get him back on the show or speak with him here pretty soon. But the reason we're talking about Deshaun Watson is because the poll was put up and the idea was floated out there on Get Up on ESPN is uh, that the Jaguars should consider trading the number one overall pick for Deshaun Watson. Now, I put this poll out. I said, would you trade the number one overall pick along with other picks to the Texans for Deshaun Watson? And Jay, of course, you know, the options were hell yeah and hell no. And we got 166 votes, which if you voted and you're listening to this, thank you so much. That's awesome. We, we love that. Uh, we, we love that interaction with you guys and the, um, and the feedback. And, uh, and not surprisingly to me, uh, it got 88% hell no and 12% hell yeah out of those 166 votes. Honestly, did not surprise me at all. Now, one of the comments said, anybody who says yes to this poll 
should be included in the trade, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. And I'm going to admit something to you guys right here and right now. Uh, if that was the case, I would be getting traded to Houston along with the number one overall pick because I put hell yeah. Now, I said yes because I was taking the contract out of it. Now, of course, when you, you draft the number one overall pick and, and this quarterback and Trevor Lawrence specifically, of course, in this instance, you get to control them and the contract for at least five years. You know, you get the four years plus the option. And of course, Deshaun Watson just signed this mega deal in the offseason before this this previous season. I totally get that. Uh, however, I looked at it from a purely football standpoint. And if Trevor Lawrence hits all of his peaks that we think that he is capable of doing, we hope that he is a top three quarterback at some point. Now, Deshaun Watson is a top three, maybe top five quarterback right now, in my opinion. Now, he does have those injuries, which Jay, I think you'll probably talk about here shortly, uh, that you mentioned, made a very good point on, and I definitely understood. So my my argument was that would you take a top five known commodity and known top five quarterback right now over the potential of Trevor Lawrence maybe being that top five quarterback in the future. So Jay, I'll let you have the stand. I know you voted no, I believe. And um, yeah, I'll just kind of let you have at it. Yeah. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I did vote no. Um, And I think what I couldn't put it into words at time at the time, um, but I think what it boils down to me is even okay so if you ask all of the Clemson fans themselves uh the fanatics um the ones that uh, you could say would take bias out of it because they're both Clemson quarterbacks and I agree with them on that who was the better quarterback during their time in Clemson uh you would definitely say I mean at least I don't know I can't speak for you I think Trevor Lawrence was the better guy and if I'm not mistaken, what he started three years. Um, and he, I mean, what was crazy about Trevor Lawrence, though, man, and, and Deshaun Watson did have this uh, this to to his resume as well. But especially with Trevor Lawrence, is his the it seemed like Trevor Lawrence's best year was his first year playing uh, starting at Clemson. And I mean, I, if I can recall, man, like I think Deshaun Watson had a pretty good first year as well but like I thought that was telling this kid fresh out of high school on the big stage on such a a, a, a high level of football playing for Dabo Sweeney and uh you know playing in the SEC uh, if and if I can recall he I don't well no I don't think he did go to the championship in that year but uh he, he just looked phenomenal like right off the bat you could tell this young man was going to be that guy and he feels like you know what I'm saying just Right off the bat, even, you know, people expected that because he was a high recruit from high school. But that being said, you know, right off the instant, you could tell uh, that he was going to be this Trevor Lawrence or excuse me, this uh, Andrew Luck, uh, John Elway, Peyton Manning type of um, prospect. And, you know, there's still some things he could get better at um, on the NFL level. I mean, we've seen it with Peyton Manning and he was pretty good in at Tennessee. Uh, but what he became in the league was astronomical. Um, same, the same could apply for John Elway, and you know, same could apply for Andrew Luck as well. Uh, if it, his career wasn't really cut short um, by injuries, now I'm, that's not to say, like, dude, like me, and you have had this discussion plenty of times. But Sean Watson is a top, probably two or three quarterback in my book. Uh, so it more so speaks volumes about what I think Trevor Lawrence could be. In the end. And I mean, if you're looking at this next Peyton Manning, and by the way, this is Peyton Manning with speed, by the way. Uh, this is Peyton Manning that can actually run. You know, this is John Elway that can actually run. 
if he what we believe he can be, you know, on the NFL level, uh, for me, that 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 is probably going to end up being better than Deshaun Watson on the NFL level, and um, you know, it's a it's a possibility that Trevor Lawrence might make it a, a wider gap between him and Deshaun Watson than people think. Uh, so that's that's what I consider in terms of um, you know if I would do it or not. And then, like you said, of course, uh, you know, the injuries too as well. Um, but, you know, Deshaun Watson has gutted through some injuries. Uh, but I think for the most part, Trevor is proven to be healthy. I think he got COVID one time, uh, which that was this year. But I don't think he really missed any games aside that from, uh, you know, physical injury, if you will. Uh, but yeah, man, I just think so highly of what the young man could be on the next level. Um, and, that's not to not what Deshaun Watson is and will become on the next level as well. So Jay, while you were, while you were talking about that there, I, I did a search, uh, Trevor Lawrence versus Deshaun Watson. I did a little Google search here and it's as if, uh, this, the writer Gene Sapikoff from the post and courier, which I believe is a newspaper in South Carolina. It's as if they knew we were going to have this conversation and because this article is about Trevor Lawrence versus Deshaun Watson in an ongoing debate who was the most valuable at Clemson. I'm going to throw some numbers out here. And honestly, it's it's kind of baffling how close these guys are. So the real answer may be either or. So record as a starter, Deshaun Watson went 32 and three. He lost to Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh and Alabama. Trevor Lawrence, 34 and two losses to LSU and Ohio State. So those two losses, of course, for for Lawrence, two quality losses. Uh, Watson, you have Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh on there, and then, of course, Alabama. Uh, they each, uh, Watson played 35 games, Lawrence played 36. Uh, Watson uh, took over when Clemson was 1-2 two in 2014, having lost road games against teams like Georgia and Florida. Uh, Tigers had some signage in their building reminding everyone of a five-year losing streak at South Carolina. And then uh, let's see here. Lawrence inherited a streak of three straight college football appearances. Of course, uh, playoff record. Watson, three and one. Trevor Lawrence, three and two. National championship games, both of them one and one. ACC championships, Watson, two. Lawrence, three. ACC player of the year awards, both of them had one. Heisman voting. Watson finished third in 2015, second in 2016. Lawrence finished seventh last year and second this year. Passing yards. Listen to this, Jay. This is absolutely insane. Deshaun Watson, 10,163 passing yards. Lawrence, 10,098. If not for Watson's 65-yard touchdown pass to Deion Kane in the 2016 game against Syracuse, they would have had even passing numbers throughout their career. Total offense, Watson, 12,094. Lawrence, 11,041. Touchdown passes, 90 for both of them. <laughs> 90 touchdown passes for both Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Rushing touchdowns, Lawrence, 26. I'm sorry, rushing touchdowns, Watson, 26, and Lawrence, 18. Last thing I want to bring up here as far as ACC, uh, all ACC teammates over the three years, Watson had 36 uh, all ACC teammates, 17 first team. Um, Lawrence had 43 um, over his tenure, 17 in 2018, 15 in 2019, 11 in 2020, which included 17 first teams throughout that entire uh, tenure. So, Jay, I think it's crazy that uh, that I found this article for the sake of this because this just shows how how close they were. They were pretty much, they had almost the same and equal amount of success at Clemson. Yeah, that's nuts how close it was in terms of like the whole body of work at Clemson. And you talk about accolades, man, and you talk about 
star power when they were there, man, it, it that's just baffling. You know, they, they, that's baffling in the sense that Clemson had two quarterbacks that good on that level that were that close to each other. That speaks volumes. I mean, I know a lot of people probably don't like Dabo, uh, but, you know, kind of like we spoke on Urban Meyer, you know, when he coached on the, the college level and coached these quarterbacks, man. Uh, one thing you can't deny is that Dabo is not, not only can he recruit and get elite talents. And if I can recall, Watson might be from Georgia too. Um, but the, that I digress from my point. Uh, that just proves that he can go to another state and he can find elite talent and he can make them play like that on the college level and get them drafted as well, man. Like, so that kind of speaks volumes of him. That's not to discredit Watson or, or Lawrence, man. But yeah, that is just nuts for a school to have two talents that close together in terms of, uh, you know, their statistical achievements. And not only that, that close together in terms of their timeline at Clemson. Uh, people forget Sean Watson uh, uh, or Trevor Lawrence wasn't that far removed from the time that Deshaun Watson left, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if he was exactly his successor. Uh, it might have been a quarterback between the two. Uh, but to have that kind of success, you know, from Watson and then get Lawrence, man, like, you know, you got to tell Clemson fans, man, they're blessed. And uh, that's a feat that you won't. It's going to be hard to see something like that happen in history. Uh, I mean, I, at least I feel that way. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, period, man. To have two guys uh, come through your school in that timeline of what? eight years or whatever the case may be. Yeah, no, they appear to have come back to back here, Jay, as uh, um, the Lawrence inherited a streak of three straight college football playoff appearances. So yeah, they did. They went from Watson to Lawrence, which is just absolutely insane. And you are correct. Deshaun Watson is from Gainesville, Georgia. So yeah, man, that, that's nuts. Um, but in terms of the NFL level, I do think that Lawrence might be able to distance himself. But then again, you know, in the NFL, there's so many factors, though, man. Like, what kind of situation he's going to inherit, so on and so forth. Um, one thing you can't knock, though, you know, and one thing that is probably going to be hard for Lawrence to do that Watson did on the NFL level was have the success that Watson did in his first year. I mean, if Watson played that whole year, I know he wasn't, did he tear his ACL, whatever the case may be. Um, and Watson played that whole year. We're looking at, like, arguably one of the best rookie seasons we ever seen. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence has the potential to do that, you know, in terms of, the, you know, they got James Robinson already on the team. They got LaVisca. They got DJ Chark and so on and so forth. So he could. But, you know, you got to wonder, man, like, would it be would it be catchable for Lawrence to have the same rookie season on the NFL level had Watson not got injured, man? Uh, you know, that's that's only a question that God knows, but either way, man, I'm excited to get Lawrence. I'm excited to watch his career. I'm excited to watch Deshaun Watson. And I really hope for a part of me don't want the Texans to trade Deshaun Watson and a part of me does. The part of me that doesn't want them to trade him is to see him and Lawrence go neck and neck after doing what they did in clips and then succeeding each other. I want to see them go neck and neck or head to head, whatever the case may be, and have these epic battles in the AFC South and give me and you something to like just tell our grandkids about in 40 years or so, whatever the case may be. Because, you know, it'll be kind of like Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, but they will be in the same division and we'll get it two times a year, man. It, it will be really exciting. 
Yeah, and in their prime. Like, we're getting Brady and Breeze now, but of course, and not to say that they're bad quarterbacks, but it's they're definitely not in their prime anymore. If we had gotten that, you know, akin to kind of Peyton and Brady that we got for the long time, this this could be the next version of that if, you know, Trevor ends up being everything that we think he is capable of being. But yeah, I'm like you, Jay. I, I, I do want to see Deshaun out of the division because I do hide him, uh, hold him in such high regard. Like we said, top three, top five quarterback. Um, but, you know, the things over there in Houston, you know, I'm not sure what they're doing. I, I would love to have a guy like what would have loved to have had a guy like Deshaun Watson over the last few years. We wouldn't find ourselves in a position to draft a guy at number one. But, hey, it may work all it may all work out for the best in the end. But, Jay, uh, you know, I know you have a, a couple more things to say. And then if you want to let everybody know what they have to look forward to in terms of not only the podcast, but also over in the Jaguars wire. Yeah, man, it feels like deja vu. When you look at the Texas situation, man, like it looks like if me and you like physically pass NRG Stadium, it'll be on fire right now. And it, and when I mean by it, it looks like deja vu, it looks like the Jaguars in the Coughlin era, like a lot of this stuff that's come out about the turmoil there and whatnot, man. It's like, dang, man, we were just reliving that. And it's funny because when we were on the Texas Unfiltered podcast with James, you know, when he was explaining, you know, how the Texans could get out of their situation, you know, we were like, yeah, that's possible. They could get it out of their situation. You know, the salary cap is, you know, it's moldable. Um, you know, the salary cap, as we say, it's fake. That can be fixed, so on and so forth. Um, but they didn't have the draft picks, so on and so forth. And uh, they don't have the ability in terms of, uh, you know, other aspects to add people around to Sean Watson. And uh, yeah, it's just up in flames over there, man. And the, um in, in Houston, and uh, it, it just feels like we're watching Jacksonville all over again in the 2018 and uh, 2019 season. Um, in terms of, as you said, in terms of the podcast, we've uh, put together, at least I have, and I'll talk to you about it as well, put together a guest list. We're trying to get some people on uh, for the next two weeks, maybe try and get a guest on. Uh, we'll continue to try that, but, you know, at the same time, like schedules, conflict, so on and so forth, which is fine. You know, we understand uh, people have day jobs or whatever the case may be. But yeah, I uh, look for us to try and like get a guest for at least the next six episodes or whatever the case may be. We'll keep you guys up to date on that um, to to be sure and, and to kind of, um you know, keep y'all informed on that end. And then on the Jaguars wire, you know, same old, same old on Urban Meyer Watch, uh, watching these other head coaches as well. Uh, also on the GM Watch, watching out for who we can get on that end. Shahad Khan did say he would try to hire uh, both the head coach and the GM at the same time. So probably that news will come around the same timeline. And then, you know, that'll be a big burden off of all of our chess fans and writers alike. And uh, we can start projecting the future from that point. You know, when you get those two pieces in place, uh, you can start kind of putting it together, what to do in free agency, uh, what to do in the draft, which I mean, for the Jaguars, the number one overall pick is a no-brainer, but aside from that, and then, you know, we can start looking towards the future. So uh, look for that and, uh, you know, keep in uh, check with our Twitter feeds and whatnot. Uh, we'll be updating people on that as well. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, guys, keep up to date as far as the podcast goes. Believe in Jack's pod. You can participate in the more polls that we're going to be putting out here and also letting you know what guests we have coming down the pipeline. Because like Jay said, we have a whole lot of stuff planned for you here in 2021 and in the off season. But that being said, you guys, uh, once again, a reminder, 
If you are enjoying the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a five-star review. We're also on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. One more time, I'm at Phil the Filipino and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. Remember, you can find all of your up-to-date news over on the Jaguars Wire on Twitter and at the JaguarsWire.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We believe. Do you? We'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.